The Recruiting Blitz, powered by the UC Report, is back and plenty to discuss with our first full Saturday of college football in the book. We are going to look at some of the impact freshmen that took part this past weekend. We're also going to take a little state of the union, how the big three Florida schools, Miami, Florida, and Florida State are faring in recruiting and what could be coming for them still as a recruiting calendar unfolds. And we're also going to take a look at uh, or look back at last week's Sarah De La Salle game and a little bit of a preview for this weekend's ESPNU game between Lehigh and Lake Gibson. Welcome back, or welcome to the Recruiting Blitz. Uh, special thanks to all of, the, all of you back for episode three. Uh, looking forward to another great week of high school football and college football, and but most importantly, Wade. I'm here along with Wade Jirasi, my sidekick here at the Recruiting Blitz, and producer Danny, Danny Priest, behind the, uh, behind the controls. Um, exciting time, finally, first full Saturday uh, in the books. Uh, and recruiting means less commitments, but obviously more action on the field for both high school and college football. And I was out uh, in NorCal this past week for the De La Salle Sarah game, a little bit more on that uh, coming up. But um, that Saturday, obviously a Friday night game means Saturday is a travel day and coming from west to east with the time zones, it usually means, you know, always means you're going to get back later in the day. And I was like, oh, flight options were kind of limited. And I'm like, but you know what? It's modern era, you know, it's like, uh, we're shooting people into space for fun, and we, <laughs> planes now have TVs on them with live TV, so I'm like, I'll be fine. Uh, board my flight and excited to settle in, and as things are boarding, it's just as uh, Oregon and Georgia is getting ready to kick off, and I am, like, chomping at the bits to, to, to watch a football, excited for this game, and uh, uh, my TV didn't work. And, uh, <laughs> I'm and just I'm shaking like, my head as you're yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm no. pressing, nothing's happening. Like, the screen is showing something, but when it says start, it won't, it won't do it, and and I look at the guy sitting next to me, and his is working, and, and makes me mad. And then he's watching like Lord of the Rings, just makes me even madder because <laughs> it's like, guy, do you not know what today is? It's the first full football, first full Saturday of college football, and you're watching dragons fly around. So that's that's making me, and I'm I'm literally pressing the screen so hard that at one point the person sitting in front of me got up and was like, could you please stop doing? Like I didn't even realize it. Like just with my finger, I was I was like so hell bent. <laughs> on getting these games that I was pressing it and, and you know obviously I stopped and I said I was sorry but I'm thinking in the back of my mind even though you're sitting in front of me your comfort takes a back seat to the fact that I cannot get any college football but I would have uh, been in sheer panic mode at that point I was I, I was yeah. I was melting down internally I was keeping cool on the outside but uh, long story short uh, a big shout out to the Delta flight attendants who came along and were able to uh, get my TV restarted and my apologies to everyone who was sitting around me because they who might have been in the middle of a movie because they had to shut everybody's TVs off to get mine going. <laughs> but well worth it, you know. Though even though by that point I got to the Oregon uh, Georgia game and well <laughs> wasn't wasn't much to be decided. There was some good news for Oregon uh, over the weekend and we'll we'll get to that as well in a little bit. But I think uh, Luckily, at the same time, I think that if I remember, you served me right. The Cincinnati Arkansas game was on at the same time, and that was a yeah. that was a good game. And Arkansas actually had a true freshman uh, making uh, Rashad Duminen, uh, the running back. Uh, I feel like I'm saying that wrong. I looked it up on Arkansas's notes to get a correct pronunciation, and he wasn't listed under the pronunciation guide. I'm always I'm always surprised by what SIDs feel is a is a name that should get a 
phonetic pronunciation and which don't. Like to me, that was one that should have gotten, but maybe uh, I'm not bright enough to, to, to crack that code on my own. But he only had two carries for 16 yards, but they were some, uh, he flashed a little bit. And uh, I think that's where we start off because we talk about recruiting and why recruiting matters. And obviously because you're hoping those guys get into college and, and get production. And I think week one, first major week of college football, Wade, we had some players who stepped on the field and had an immediate impact, including that first game that I was so desperate to get to. <laughs> no doubt. A lot of good freshman performances in week one, but I think, I speak for myself, but I think a lot of people share this opinion. Malachi Starks, the defensive back from Georgia, really, really shined. Five-star recruit last year, number one overall athlete, played everywhere in high school. Not only did he get early playing time for Georgia, but as a true freshman, on the premier defensive unit in the country, maybe the last couple of years, he played everywhere in the defensive backfield. He played deep safety. He was in the box. He was at nickel. I think he was even out of corner a little bit. I mean, everybody saw the interception. Also had a team high eight tackles. So for me, Malachi Starks, super, super impressive. You want to pick out one guy from this class that you feel really good about already. I mean, he's definitely it for me. Yeah, Under Armour All-American who enrolled early. And as you, I think the key thing is, he was a multi-sport athlete, uh, a 10-5-500 meter. Yep. Uh, he was a 4A state long jump champ. Just an overall tremendous athlete with that athleticism translating to the football field. Uh, and what's crazy about Georgia is, so uh, number three class last year, number three class in 21, number two class in 20, 2020 cycle. So you're seeing a program that is recruited at an elite level consistently at elite level, all top threes under Kirby Smart. And despite all the losses they had on defense, like if I defy you, so the guy next to me watching dragons fly around, if I said, hey, pick out the defense that lost, what, like nine starters from yeah. a year ago? <laughs> like you wouldn't be able to tell. They wouldn't be able to tell. Like, I liked um, Nolan Smith. I think uh, he had been asked, you know, how's your defense going to replace all those guys? And he just simply said, just watch. Yeah. And he was uh, right. Yeah. You know, staying in the SEC, another guy that was impressive was Jaden McGowan, an undersized but really speedy wide receiver for Vanderbilt. Had four receptions for 118 yards, including a 75-yard touchdown run. This was the guy who didn't have another Power 5 offer. So credit to the Vandy staff for going out, extending that offer, and grabbing a commitment from him. He was being recruited by Group 5 schools and the Ivies. So, you know, sometimes in recruiting – you got to have that eye to see something that might not be obvious, and then sometimes it's maybe a little simpler. And for me, with McGowan, he was a 10-600 kid, and he got into Harvard. So, yeah, that's a guy that we liked and gave a high three-star grade to. I uh, figured he'd work out, and he had some early production for Vanderbilt in uh, this past weekend. And if Vandy's going to turn it around, those are the type of guys. That, oh, yeah. As you mentioned, credit to them. Like, we had him as a high three-star. We liked him as well. But you got to go, all right, we're seeing something that every – one thing about recruiting – is that it can be very much a herd mentality. Sometimes a player will struggle to get an offer, and then until they get that first offer, then you'll see a bunch more start to flood in. And sometimes when you get late in the process and you get a guy who's like, am I missing something that everybody else is seeing? Uh, so for Vanderbilt, that's really great. And then even the previous week against Hawaii, he was only 27 yards, but he was still led the team in reception. So very early on is showing that he's going to be a factor for them offensively. And uh, hats off to Vanderbilt for an outstanding pickup and getting uh, immediate production from him. I think, think Wade, the weekend got kicked off in a big way. Thursday, backyard brawl, the return of the backyard brawl on Thursday night. Um, uh, wonderful game. And I think for West Virginia, C.J. Donaldson, a running back, 
uh, had a really nice night uh, out of Florida. Was kind of like a big wide receiver. Yeah, interesting journey to yeah. his role right now. Yeah, I mean, and uh, credit to West Virginia for kind of seeing how we <clears throat> think, you know, seeing how he best fits uh, for them offensively. He had seven carries for 125 yards. Uh, TD, I, you know, I went back and I looked at uh, the UC report evals. And this was as a sophomore, and our internal evals said difference maker qualities. Hmm. Uh, so shame on us for not doing a better job of kind of following up with a better grade because that, or maybe not seeing it as, as he went along. But as a sophomore, it was flexible, flu. But So there were signs there early on. West Virginia saw it, moved him to running back, and uh, obviously it was a, a tough loss to Pitt in, a, in a, just an outstanding game. Uh, but Donaldson was another one of those freshmen making an impact. Another running back, uh, Jaden Ott, Cal, played against UC Davis this past weekend. He was a guy who was committed to Cal, decommitted, maybe made the Bears fans sweat it out a little bit, but eventually recommitted and signed with them. We had him as a four-star outside the 300, really well-rounded prospect, good size, good combine performances. Had 17 carries for 104 yards, also two receptions for 26 yards and a touchdown. And um, a guy who... Honestly, in hindsight, maybe we had a tick undergraded. Um, I don't think we should have been super surprised that he had early production for that Cal program. Yeah, it, obviously running back is a position where out the gate you can kind of get sure. tangible stats. Uh, that's why, not shockingly, we have a few mentioned. I think another one of those guys in a supporting role, and I think it's going to be key for him as the fall goes along, if he could stay at this level and give them a quality number two back, but that's Quinshawn Judkins at Old Miss. Uh, obviously, Zach Evans was one of the kind of high-profile transfers from TCU to Ole Miss, and he did not disappoint, obviously, um, uh, over 130 yards. Uh, but if they can get Judkins to supplement him and be a quality second back, it's only going to help their offense. Uh, you know, he had 87 yards with a touchdown in the second quarter, a little over 62 yards average per carry, and a win over Troy. Uh, they play Central Arkansas this week, so I wouldn't be surprised maybe if he gets another healthy, healthy dose of carries and continues the opportunity to kind of grow. But if he could become uh, a quality sub supplement to Zach Evans and watch out for that old Miss run game. You know, we, we talk so many times about how you have to win in the SEC, and of course you need to be solid up front. You need to have depth along the defensive front. You need to have defensive backs who can cover all these super athletic playmakers. But one thing that I think especially as running back has fallen out of prominence in the NFL a little bit. So many of these great SEC programs have more than one guy at running back. You're going to take a pounding running the ball between the tackles in the SEC. Alabama's had you know, multiple guys in the same class get drafted in the NFL. I mean, how many times at this point? Georgia's doing it with a, what, three, four-headed monster this season. And so you know, to, to have that guy behind Evans for Old Miss, certainly a way for them to hold up through that long SEC schedule. Well, that's, a, that's an important point, Wade. And one of the things that I've noticed over the years that I've talked to coaches about is that, you know, a lot of times 16, 70-year-old kids, you know, we, we focus on some of the negatives they do or some of the knucklehead things. But I will say this, young running backs, from the time that we started this in 05 with the kind of the birth of the ESPN 300 through now, there was a point when we first started on it where the feature back was a big deal. It was a big deal to be the back. Over the last 10 years, high school running backs and, and going into college running backs, to their credit, have bought into the fact that it's better to not be the feature back. It's better to be a part of a strong running back stable because uh, it, it's only going to accentuate your strengths and maybe potentially, if you're lucky enough to go to the next level, keep some tread off the tires, as they say. Um, so, yeah, I think that's 
I, I credit young running backs now at a high school. It's almost, it doesn't even, they don't even blink when they're the second or third running back in a class. We did a little preview a week ago, you and I, and a couple of the names you mentioned, Jaheim Otis got in there. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, Will Campbell was a starter for LSU in, in that loss. Uh, and one of those guys who certainly showed out was Luther Bird. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, not so much as a receiver, but he had uh, four rushers with 31 yards and two touchdowns. And um, he's one of these playmakers that they're smartly finding different ways to get the football in his hands. And we talked about it last week. He's one of these guys, no matter where we saw him, whether it was on the field for East St. Louis, whether it was at a future 50 at Under Armour, he was always elite. So it's not shocking to see him come out of the gate and one of those players that we had pinpointed a week ago. And it's interesting with a you know a five-star recruit going to a program like Missouri, you know, no slight to them, but five-star recruits are used to having to wait a little bit at Alabama or Ohio State. But a lot of credit to that staff. They got a five-star signed, and they whether he's 100% ready to contribute as a receiver or not in every package they have, they said, forget about it. We've got to figure out a way to get him the ball, get him involved. I don't want to say keep them happy early, but show other recruits that if you pick us, we're going to use you early. Yeah, but there is, I mean, when I talk about a, a prospect who is like built to contribute, like again, every time we saw Luther Burden, exactly. Luther Burden was not a dude. He was the dude. And so it's not at all, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it would almost got to the point where, like, if they didn't play in week one, it's like, uh, maybe we should make a change. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, to their credit, they, as you mentioned, that was a monster pickup for that staff. Uh, not technically in state, but uh, essentially, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I call it in state. So that was so big, and to get him on the field in order to get the production, it's been exciting to see how he continues to grow uh, from there. Anybody else that stood out for you? Uh, no, I think we hit him. I think that's good. Yeah, I know you mentioned uh, McCullough at Indiana. It was a nice win them you and I were talking to you. so he obviously contributed a bit that was the top ranked signee for Indiana mm-hmm. in that class so right out, right out of the gate and a win over Illinois a, a comp, an important conference win that they were able to get on the field we just talked about guys who were current impact players from the 22 class now let's go back to the 23 class and maybe some guys that we may be talking from a year ago as I mentioned right at the top <laughs> obviously Focus now for high schools and colleges on the field, colleges, official visits, unofficial visits, get kids on campus experiencing what game week is like. And obviously, very early in high school seasons, anywhere from three games, or if you're like us in the Northeast, you just start, <laughs> just start practice. Uh, but overall, commitments are, have, have gone down a bit, but still some, some important ones that have come off the board. Yeah, and an interesting thing, too, is when you're in this recruiting world, there's almost like dual realities going on at the same time during the fall. Obviously, there's games being played in the field. There's actual records for programs, and then it's what everybody's doing on the recruiting trail, what the recruiting rankings are. And Of course, you want to be at the top of both of those rankings, but that's not always the case. What was interesting this week is two of the biggest, I don't know, quote, losers, actual losers, but quote, losers from this weekend, an Oregon program that obviously was overmatched and overwhelmed by Georgia, and LSU that lost in dramatic fashion to Florida State, both these programs had good weeks on the trail. So leading into the weekend, LSU picked up ESPN 300 offensive tackles, the Lance Hurd. He's number 79 in the 300. He's the top offensive lineman in the state of Louisiana. And they also picked up 2024 Zion Ferguson, a junior 300 prospect. He's from a Grayson program in Georgia that pumps out a ton of talent, and they're kind of developing a pipeline as they have a safety in this 23 class who's committed an ESPN 300 prospect, another junior 300 prospect in Joseph Stone. 
uh, their teammate, Walt, uh, Walt Claire Flynn Jr., is the top-ranked player uh, among the juniors at Grayson. He's number 79 in the junior 300 and the number one center. So while it seems like the world is, you know, falling apart around the LSU program, they actually had a good week on the trail. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's special teams. You know, did they recruit any guys to block on extra point? You know, but listen, I mean, uh, they're still recruit. It's still LSU, and I think what's interesting about the herd one is when Brian Kelly got the job, you think, okay, illustrious resume, he's been successful everywhere he's been, seems like a great fit. Is he going to be able to dominate in state? Because LSU is one of the few programs traditionally that have been able to build a fence around their state. You know, they've Texas now and then will come in. Obviously, Alabama gives everybody fits. But for the most part, LSU has always owned their home state. And it would be interesting to see how he did. So now with that on board, they have five of the top ten players, obviously number one player in the state being Arch Manning, who was headed to Texas, the uh, quarterback Eli Holstein, headed to Alabama. We talked about Alabama kind of being one of the consistent thorns in LSU's side when it comes to uh, recruiting at home. But now they have five of the top ten players in state, including the number one ranked receiver in Shelton Sampson, the number one ranked offensive lineman, as you mentioned, is Zalen's hurt, and as well as the top two running backs in state. So I think it's important to see that they are being able to kind of maintain some, some supremacy in state, which is where everything is built off of for them. And then Oregon was the other program we touched on. Um, ESPN 300 defensive tackle, number 85 in the rankings. Amari Washington committed heading into the weekend. He was a guy who had also visited LSU in Oklahoma. So, you know, big-time recruiting powers were after him as well. And then an interesting commitment from three-star um, edge prospect Blake Purchase. Kind of some mixed opinions in him across the industry. We've had him in camp. He kind of has some borderline measurables, including a borderline uh, burst score. Uh, it's something we're going to be rolling out along the lines of max speed burst measures your peak acceleration in a short area so this is a well-built kid i mean we think he's clearly a pac-12 caliber edge prospect uh, but an interesting an interesting guy maybe to get some senior film on because there are some mixed opinions on him yeah obviously you know two things to that weight is obviously oregon lost on the field but they had some wins on a recruiting trail as you mentioned those can sometimes be lanes that run parallel but don't always cross yeah. you know and i remember even going back to the old recruiting nation days on espn urip uh you know that we used to always <laughs> used to always be a question we'd get be like oh if a player's on a visit or just in general they're looking at a school and they <clears> lose big is it hurt them you know listen i think any co every coach knows how to work every situation you can say hey you know what we got pieces we're close we're not there yet. We need you fill in the blank to be the guy to take us to the next level. So Oregon's one of these programs that's certainly a lot to sell, and you know we'll see how they continue, how they rebound from that loss in Georgia. But not shocking to see them have success. And Washington's a monster pickup because you talk about the, the Pac-12, where you need to be successful. It's in the trenches. So that he's from Arizona, but to keep a guy in that conference Out footprint West, yeah. is huge. And he's explosive. He's powerful. The only concern with him, and I wouldn't say concern, it maybe selfishly, is a guy who have not seen at camps at all. You know, and again, you always like to be able to lay the eyes on him, maybe just see where the competitive meter is at. But when you turn on the film, I remember watching him uh, for evaluations for ESPN 300 rankings and obviously the UC report as well. It, he was one of these guys when you turn on the film, he jumps out. He could be, yeah. he could be a potential difference maker. So that's that's a monster pickup there. And then a couple big uh, commitments in the state of Texas. Texas A&M 
Uh, got a recommitment from Bravian Rogers, who was one of their early commitments. He was committed for a little while, went back on the market, has decided to jump back on with A&M. Just He's, needed a break. In yeah. relationships, it's called a break. Yeah. <laughs> Just needed to see what was out there for a month or so. Uh, he's one of the fastest players that we've clocked on uh, the max speed, play speed at 21.9 miles per hour. I always kind of felt like he was an essential part of that class for them, and uh, you know they can only be happy to have him back in the fold. And then Texas, Junior 300. Hold on a second. I'm oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. But going back to Rogers, so you, you mentioned his max speed, you know, which translates how fast they are in the field. He's also a sub-1100 guy in 100 meters. So there's a, an example of a player in Rogers who is fast in track, which is kind of the old standard of measuring speed, but not always nine out of 10 times does that translate to football speed. But <laughs> Rogers is one of those players, as you mentioned, he's fast in track. He puts on a pair of shoulder pads, goes between the white lines, and he's still legit fast, one of the fastest guys on the field. We have him listed in ESPN 300 as an athlete. He projects to the secondary, but as you mentioned, a big pickup to get him back in the mix. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, and then, uh... At, with Texas, junior 300 receiver, Hunter Moden. I hope I'm saying that correct. I don't know if I've heard we'll that one before. We'll see what kind of angry, uh, angry DMs you get. Yeah, he's a six-foot-tall kid, but he's got a much bigger catch radius than that for his height. Not necessarily going to wow you with blazing top-end speed, but he's explosive, he's a good leaper, he has good body control, and he's the third junior 300 commitment for Texas already in that 24 class. As you know, Obviously, they're putting the finishing touches on a really nice group for this cycle, and uh, they've got some nice building blocks and starting pieces for that next group. And I also want to, uh, you know, uh, Wade, you're always focusing on the top teams. You don't ever, there's more teams in the uh, FBS than just those guys. So I'm going to throw you under the bus here. Yeah, uh, don't you know how I spend my hours during the week? I want to talk about the premium guys here. <laughs> uh, but I'd really like to pick up K-State, Kansas State made, and Jordan Allen. Uh, they picked up a, a big body. He's got a nice frame. I think he can work to become a little bit more explosive, but he's got some good power. I think he's one of these hand-to-glove fits for K-State. He seems like kind of one of those lunch pail type players. Graded him at a high 78, one of the top guys in their class. So a really nice pickup there uh, by Kansas State with uh, Jordan Allen. So there was a commitment roundup. Did you have any more? You want to outdo me? Like, like a New Mexico good. State commit or something? No. All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, it's time to kind of move on with a little preview of what, we, uh, what I saw out west last week and then what is to come. I told you about my uh, flight exploits coming back from Northern California. It all ended well, but I was out there for a reason, and Friday night uh, did not disappoint uh, two NorCal powers with De La Salle hosting uh, Sarah, as I call them, the Fighting Tom Brady's, but the Sarah Padres, <laughs> which was the alma mater of, of legendary quarterback uh, Tom Brady. And what was interesting about that game, two things. A, they have what is going to be their most sought-after quarterback, since Tom Brady, I went back. Oh, wow. yeah. I went back and looked. I could not find. They do have a, they do have a quarterback that just came through there uh, a few years ago. That was a record-setting quarterback and is now a walk-on at Utah. So they've had some good players come through there, but he wasn't. He wasn't somebody that was highly sought after. Their quarterback now, Malawaki Smith, goes by Maui. Uh, he already reports Washington, Colorado, Arizona, among some of the, some of the commits. He was somebody that I was interested to see. Um, you know, I talked about Washington not being on the camp circuit. Malawaki Smith is a young man already who has been on the camp circuit. He waited his turn last year, sat behind a, a senior starter, showed patience, kind of learned from that, got out in the camp scene. He's a guy who's really grown. I know 
we were talking to our uh, partner and the evaluation process, Tom Luganville, who I was a big fan of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in my opinion, you know, nobody in, on this side of the business recruit uh, evaluates quarterbacks better. And and he was a guy going back and talking about him from when we did see him on the camps. Really impressed with his his growth. And to think that impressed me as a player. There's there's work to be done, but he is extremely poised and calm, and uh, you almost kind of. He's a pocket passer who is athletic enough to extend plays. And there were a few times, and a lot of times, Wade, you'll see young quarterbacks, they pocket breaks down, they tuck, they run. He stepped up, he slid to the side, eyes went downfield. Like, I was blown away with what a cool customer he was under pressure. And this is a game against, you know, many of you are probably familiar with De La Salle, but De La Salle, 151-game win streak at one point. At one point, they had over 300 consecutive wins over NorCal opponents. This was a dominant program, and he never flinched. Even with one, he threw one interception, safety made an outstanding play. They had two fumbles, three overall red zone turnovers. He, he never just always his business like and I walked away like wow now there was one point in the game where there was a bad snap and it hit the ground and I would have liked to have seen him be a little bit more quick on jumping on it uh, but you know that's part of the uh, cool customer a little bit but uh, I Malawaki Smith if you're not familiar with the name be familiar with the name I think he's a guy Wade that we're gonna have to take a really good look at when the ESPN junior 300 update but I, I really came away impressed with how he played. And it's interesting, too, because we had mentioned he looked great in the camp setting. But, of course, that's a nice, easy, low-pressure setting. You're in shorts, nice weather in the spring or the summer. Uh, and to see him carry that demeanor into what was not a perfect game either for him against the tough opponent, I mean, says what you need to know Against right a program they had not beaten in a very long time, uh, if ever. And at one point in the fourth quarter facing a deficit. Before, I think it was 14 points. So I was really impressed with him. Uh, uh, De La Salle's got some two young quarterbacks as well, Carson Suasua Jr. He's really tall and long. He's got some upside. And then his backup, uh, Toa Baave, uh, he had a really long run. So De La Salle's got some young quarterbacks as well to develop. But really walked away from that game. Just really impressed with Malawaki Smith and what he brought and excited to see his upside. And for De La Salle in defeat, Charles Greer, running back, Fresno State commit. He's a player, had a chance to talk to him at walkthrough and talking with their head coach, Justin Alibaugh. He's a, he's a young man who's really committed to the weight room, put on about 10 pounds since last season and showed. He's got really good speed, but really physical runner. And I think uh, probably for Fresno State, the best thing that happened was that you know, one of their commits got got some airtime and got some love, but he didn't necessarily break out. <laughs> That's kind of one of those. If you're a president, yeah, keep you're like, it yeah, quiet. Keep it quiet. <laughs> as but we're I, not helping here, but yeah. But I think as the fall unfolds, uh, they may have to kind of do some work to because I wouldn't be surprised if some Pac-12 teams try to come in on him down the road. Yeah, there's a couple commit lists out there. Uh, most of the programs do have a running back commit and one that they really like. But Oregon State, Washington State, Colorado. I think you'd mentioned Utah. Uh, maybe on him at this point, but a couple programs out there could either add him as a lead back or you know kind of a compliment back to those classes. Yeah, I mean he's a player who ran a seven-two-seven short shuttle at at the Under Armour camp. So really good, really good looking player. LB obviously an outstanding pickup by Fresno State will certainly be one to watch as the uh, as the fall unfolds. And that is a perfect segue into this week's game when we head down to uh, South Florida. Uh, on the western kind of edge of South Florida with uh, Lehigh taking on hosting uh, Lake Gibson and <laughs> Charles Greer, outstanding running back. Lehigh, 
number one rated running back in the nation, Richard Young. Really excited to see him. Tune in Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. Obviously, we'll talk a lot about Richard Young, and he is a featured part of that of that rushing attack, uh, of that offense. A physical back, outstanding lateral burst to make defenders miss. Um, we've got an interesting comparison for him on air. I, I, I went through it, and I think B. John Robinson out of Texas see a hmm. lot of similarities. We'll, we'll have more of uh, some neat uh, package to kind of go along and illustrate why I, why I think that. But uh, there's some good players in that game, but obviously Richard Young is, is certainly the one uh, to keep an eye on. Jarrell Blue is a player, is a linebacker, a couple of offers as well. Um, so, but Richard Young, you're going to have a chance to see one of the, the premier back, uh, number one rated back in the ESPN 300 Under Armour All-American Alabama commit uh, uh, will be in action Friday night. And you alluded to earlier, uh, young running backs' willingness to accept kind of a shared role. Richard Young is the number one running back in the country. He's committed to Alabama. Justice Haynes is the number two running back in the country. He's committed to Alabama. So obviously those two young men are uh, not afraid to go and compete for playing time, share the load, whatever uh, it takes in Tuscaloosa for them. Yeah, so join us Friday night. Myself, uh, Connor Onion, will be on the call. So looking forward to a good game that will feature uh, uh, the exciting running back in Richard Young. It was a big week in the state of Florida. Three traditional powers, the big three there, Florida, Miami, Florida State, all with wins, and uh, two of them with new head coaches, and, and one in Florida State still trying to kind of get on track there uh, in a new era, but a uh, big weekend, so got us thinking, Wade, that, you know, maybe time here coming out of a strong week one for those three Florida schools, and since I'll be down in Florida for the uh, Geico ESPN High School Showcase, it may be a good time for a State of the Union uh, for those three big Florida classes, and I think the best thing to do, just take them in order of how they are currently ranked, and I think that would start. I don't think, I know. I've, <laughs> I've seen it. It's on. It's, it's online. Number they eight. Your rankings. <laughs> yeah. Number eight, Miami kind of currently leading that pack. Mario Cristobal, <laughs> when he left Oregon, I was like, wow, I know he's an alum and go back, but Oregon's really set up well. After the Georgia game, I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe he's uh, starting over there at Miami, and uh, uh, he do something there, but obviously he came home, um, and obviously a former offensive lineman. Not surprised to see them kind of coming out of the gate with a really strong O line class, and that's led by Francis Malangoa. Goes by CC, uh, number one ranked five star offensive tackle, and he he leads quite a few three star. Uh, O-line commits in that class, including Connor Liu, a top five center player I really like on film. I think it's an outstanding pickup uh, for them. But Mountain Goa is just a monster pickup, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, he's big. He's got tremendous agility. I talked about it earlier with Washington. One thing about Francis and with Caden Proctor, who's committed to Iowa, and those two really, I mean, if you, you wanted to argue with me that the Iowa commit should be number one, I would say. But this is this is where... Uh, Malangoa kind of gets the edge is anywhere around the state of Florida he came out and competed and didn't take any drills off didn't take any testing off just competes and I love to see it everybody's situation different but I've we've seen a lot more Francis and what we have seen has been outstanding he was at the future 50 event in July and uh, he came away as kind of the top lineman at that event so that is an, uh, a building block for those trenches 
And for fans um, who might not be familiar with the IMG program that he's at, they get great players from all over the country, but their current run of five-star offensive tackles is getting ridiculous at this point. I mean, Evan Neal, Alabama, J.C. Latham, Alabama, and now Mongoa at Miami. So uh, Don't I mean, forget about Tyler Booker, who's worked his way into the two deep for Alabama as well. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So, I mean, it is. And the thing about Francis of that group, uh, he probably has still the most upside as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, and they're also targeting Wade, a few more offensive linemen, one of those being Samson uh, Okun. I'm going to let you say it, Okunlole. Okunlola. There you go. I wasn't even close. All right. But listen, five-star as well. So Out they, of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Yeah, he is. Yeah, outstanding. But uh, I'm just going to call him the pancake machine. Uh, it's a little bit easier to kind of go by. But if they could add him to the mix, and they're very – they seem to be – you know, there doesn't seem to be any timeline, but they, they seem to be very much, at the very least, in the thick of it. Uh, and if they can add a second five-star tackle of his caliber to that class, along with C.C. Malangoa, I mean, wow. And then Damari Brown's another guy that you saw on kickoff weekend who um, could be leaning Hurricanes, would bring more skill that would be kind of reminiscent of, uh, you know, the golden days of the U. Two of their current commits, Robert Stafford, and Robbie Washington, two of the faster players we've tracked, Stafford at 21.5 miles an hour and Washington 21.2. I know people always associate speed, and not just speed, but speed from South Florida with that program. And so between the offensive line building blocks, what could come? Of course, QB Jaden Rashada in the mix as well. Um, really, really great start for Crystal Ball in his first full class in Coral Gables. Yeah, and Brown, like, there are a few schools in the mix, but I, his dad played at Miami mm-hmm. as well. So... And Damari Brown, as you mentioned, I saw him kick off weekend. He was one of the standouts uh, player who's going to be making a move in the next ESPN 300 update. So that would be that would be big for them. Obviously, for for Miami, it's always about locking down South Florida. Uh, Reuben Bain, uh, mm-hmm. Alabama, Auburn, Oklahoma, also in the mix. But just such an explosive player who could play on the edge, could play inside. Uh, really, one of the quickest first steps in this class. So. He's a defensive lineman in the mix. Uh, and then Damon Wilson, I'll see him shortly out of Venice as they take on St. Francis in about two weeks. Uh, <laughs> Miami in the mix for him as well. And um, one other player that I'll be interested to see, not really necessarily a big name, but towards the end of the, or the back end of the 300 is Pancho Lalo Ulo. Uh, he was the MVP from the uh, UC Report Maui camp. He is a mauler. And it may seem strange for Miami to go all the way to Hawaii for a player, but him and Malangoa, Francis Malangoa, know each other. They're oh, buddies, okay. they're friends. Yeah. So I, I, I bring him up just because of that interesting connection. If they could land him out of Hawaii, add him to that O-line mix, uh, that would probably put them maybe at the forefront of maybe the top O-line class in this nation. You build from the inside out. Mario Cristobal certainly knows that. <laughs> and uh, like I said, he is a powerful, aggressive, tenacious dude. So that's uh, an interesting name to watch, too, maybe a little bit off the beaten trail for Miami. On kind of a more broad general note, uh, there were a lot of reports about Jaden Rashada and a potentially huge NIL deal that, not that uh, Cristobal and the Miami program don't have a lot to offer, but that may have been one of the factors in him choosing Miami. We're in this new NIL era, and I, just for the record, am in full support of players getting what they can get through NIL. So I think it's great for them. What we don't know is how some of these programs that may or may not be being built with NIL as one of the key deciding factors, what they look like two, three, four years down the road if players maybe get disgruntled and 
you know, we know there's thousands of players in the transfer portal as is. Are they going to be more prone to jump if things don't work out? It's just, I mean, I have, I have no idea. It's just something to monitor moving forward because it kind of is new ground in the recruiting landscape. And so Miami certainly one to watch, and obviously sitting inside the top ten, we've mentioned some big names that they are in the mix for. So certainly a team that could be on the rise and could be a contender for a top five finish. Uh, next up is Florida coming off the big win over Utah, now uh, slated for one of the big matchups this coming weekend, taking on Kentucky. This was a class that for the 2022 cycle, we finished 32nd, last in the SEC. That was due to the coaching change. They obviously, that class had really fallen apart. I think kind of the first big step they made to kind of ushering in the Billy Napier era and kind of getting going on the recruiting trail, which they've certainly done, was when Kamari Wilson committed to them during the early signing period. Who saw some action this yeah. week on the field too, yeah. And, and so that was a really big pickup and they've really been kind of just continuing to pick up steam since then, now sitting inside the top 10, three things stick out to me. The wide receivers, Eugene Wilson projects as a wide receiver as an athlete. He was a 4-4-9 at the Miami Under Armour camp. Big laser riser. to laser. Big riser from yeah, the spring, yeah. yeah. 4-2-1 short shuttle. Uh, outstanding testing skills, really good ball skills. And then Aiden Mizell is more speed. You think speed kills. He's got tremendous length, another sub-100 meter guy. Uh, so the wide receiver position jumps out. DBs, uh, Sharif, Sharif Denson. Jordan Castile, Jakeem Jackson, all Florida guys. And then Aaron Gates was one of those players that had committed to the previous staff and wound up staying on board. So a really nice job in the secondary. And then defensive line. Again, we just talked about with Miami. You win from the inside out, up front. Uh, the nice job that the Canes are doing on the offensive line. On the defensive line for Florida, six players projected to the front seven, led by uh, Kelby Collins, who's a big body. He's got good feet. So those are three things that are really jumping out to me. I think maybe the question is, the quarterback, uh, they got a high three-star, Marcus Stokes, at a Nice high school. Florida's gone to Nice before. Worked mm -hmm. out pretty well. Yeah, it did. It, did. Uh, it won some I, games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he may not be the high-profile pickup that a lot of recruiting fans look for, but he's got a lot of raw tools and a really outstanding athlete. So I think he's a nice developmental pickup there for Florida. And the interesting thing for Florida is with 20 commitments already on board, 13 in the ESPN 300, a lot of the work is already done. So it's kind of putting those, you know, final touches on this class and could Kermani McLean be, you know, one of those gems that sits atop of their class, the five-star uncommitted prospect uh, who was slated to play in your game this weekend but has transferred from Lake Gibson to Lakeland. So, unfortunately, we'll miss him live on air. But he was on campus, too, uh, for the Utah game. Yeah, I mean, that could be just, you know, in a, in a Wilson sense, but an exclamation point on a class that's a lot stronger than the group they brought in last year. And Dejon Johnson as well, the former Ohio State commit. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, they seem to be out of the Tampa area. They seem to be very much in the driver's seat. So I just mentioned defensive back being one of the, one of the, one of the aspects of this 2023 class that's top 10 right now, jumping out. They could add two more 300 players to that. Uh, and you think about <laughs> think about maybe a secondary with Kamari Wilson and Kramani McLean, and that's, uh, that's outstanding. Obviously, work to do there, but they seem to be very much in a mix for McLean, and that could be like the second big kind of – this is in a, it's a top 10 class. It's excellent, but we want to talk about uh, another statement pickup for Florida. Absolutely, yeah. McLean would certainly be that. And then you got to go down – a little bit further down, but Florida State, obviously they had a night all to themselves. Uh, exciting game, one of those, where have you been, college football? Welcome back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been too long yep. type matchups. And that could, 
We had mentioned, and maybe it was last week or, or episode one, I, we had talked about some teams that were in the top 25 that may not end up in the top 25. Mine was Florida State being one of those to watch because depending on how this season unfolds, they could rise or they could fall. Certainly putting themselves in, in a situation to rise coming off that win, build a lot of momentum. They, um, and their offensive line for Miami, offensive line is what headlines this class with Roger Kearney. Uh, Florida is making a push there. We just talked about what the Gators are doing, but he is a Florida State commit. Uh, MVP at the Under Armour Miami camp. Lucas Simmons at a Clearwater Academy. Uh, a little bit more of a developmental player, but an outstanding pickup. And then defensive line, really kind of a couple of nice pickups there for the Seminoles. And then Florida, as we mentioned with the 20 commitments, Florida State sitting right now with 14. So they probably have a little more uh, wiggle room to augment and add to this class. You mentioned offensive line. And previous uh, coaching staffs at Florida State were kind of doomed by a lack of offensive yeah. line depth. So taking care of one of the you know, key problems to a previous regime uh, prior to arriving in uh, Tallahassee. Uh, though, though it looks like they're going to have to work for Kearney, but that's, yep. that's recruiting. I did see uh, Big Roderick Kearney put out that no interviews right now, so <laughs> he's probably getting, probably getting inundated. But obviously, uh, her, you know, one coach always said, commitment tells you who's in the lead. So, but obviously they are uh, in good shape. They're having him on board. And then uh, DJ Chester, a four-star, has not put out a top five, but they seem to very, very much in the mix uh, for him as well. So it could be adding some more offensive line talent. And, you know, one thing I'm interested to look at for all three of these programs as, you know, we get toward the end of the season, we approach that December signing period, you know, we can give our opinions on where they are recruiting-wise on the field or whatever. Let's let the coaches tell us who goes heavy into the portal and who doesn't. Because if, you know, all three of these end up with high school heavy classes, maybe a spot free agent for, you know, from the portal here or there, then I think we're, we're just kind of letting those coaches tell us they feel good about the players they brought in, the players who are already on campus, what's already developed, and their ability to you know, further develop those young guys. If we see someone jump out and take 10, 12 guys in the portal, then that's another, uh-oh, even, yeah. even they're telling us they might still be in trouble. Yeah. There's different paths to take, but Georgia, very inactive in the portal. Clemson, I don't think they had any transfers. Alabama had a few, but not many. So you're seeing a lot of the college football players not very active putting, as you, to your point, more stock in bringing in those guys, developing them within your program. But uh, State of the Union for Florida, early in the season, midway through on the recruiting trail, I think uh, very good. A lot to be excited about. Uh, a lot of uh, your respective flag waving proudly to be done. <laughs> we'll see how things continue to unfold. But I think right now college football is better when the, when the big three in Florida Absolutely. Are, are good and, and you're starting to feel like maybe that's where we're going again. So that's certainly exciting. And uh, what is exciting as well, as I mentioned, Friday night, ESPNU 8 p.m., Lehigh host uh, Lake Gibson. Uh, join us if you can. And uh, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, three episodes in. Thank you finding our footing. And, again, all of you have uh, been with us so far along the journey. Appreciate you and welcome to all of you now jumping on board. And, again, hit us up at Craig Harbert at the UC Report with any suggestions. At, are you on Twitter? Is that Wade Jirasi? Yeah, there's nothing going on there. Hit yeah. up Craig Hobbert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let us know any feedback, and we're certainly going to have more guests. I uh, appreciate Malachi Nelson coming on uh, episode one and uh, Colin Achapong uh, last week. Big pickup there by uh, Michigan, uh, and more to come down the road. Appreciate y'all. Enjoy another great weekend of college football and high school football, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks.